You're listening to Melanie White and this is the Habitology Podcast and today's episode is called Becoming a Household Name. Today I want to share with you eight tactics that I used to become known in my local area for my business and the one thing I had to do to get traction. And this is based around my story. And if you know me at all, you'll know that I moved from Perth in Western Australia to the other side of the country where I knew nobody in 2007. That was a huge shift mentally and physically. I'd gone from being a director and general manager of a company that I co-founded with 40 staff and lots of teams into a one-person business in a brand new area. It was like ground zero. (laughs) It was incredibly scary. But I want to talk to you about the things I did to become known in my first three to six months in a new area, in a country town that had a very close-knit community that I wasn't a part of. These are all things that are relevant to you in your business, whether you're brand new or whether you want to become better known. They are all relevant tactics. Do them even if you're not moving. The first thing that I did and that I recommend you do is online research. Now, some people are going to roll their eyes and say, boring, but you just need to spend an hour or two doing this. It's not forever. It gives you so much information. The other option is to go door knocking and that's going to take way more time. Online research is really simple. You go to the census data for your local area and you find out who lives there. Or you can go sometimes to realestate.com, those sorts of websites that give you suburb profiles. Find out what's the demographic of the people living there. I did this first because I was living in a big city and I was moving to a small country town. And I thought, well, what am I moving to? Who are the people there? What's their age group? What's their disposable income level? Are they going to want certain types of services and not others? You need to know these things. So I did this first from Perth before we moved. I jumped online and I looked at my local area and I got the census information and the realestate.com information or if you're in Australia, it's realestate.com.au and I looked at some of the government health reports because I wanted to work in health and wellbeing and I found out what was going on in this area. So Before I even moved here, before I started, I'd done maybe two hours or possibly three because I'm a bit of a research geek to find out who was living in my area and therefore what they were likely to buy. Really simple thing that everybody can do, important and an essential first step. One of the things that I did as part of my online research was to figure out not just who was living in the area that I was moving to, that was my step number one, and which I recommend to you, is online research. Step number two was to figure out what clubs were in my area so that I could network with them when I moved here. So I identified a whole bunch of clubs and related businesses that I could meet in person and speak with or attend meetings of to see where my tribe was. So when I moved here, we got settled into the house and we did some work around the house. But within my first month of moving to Mossy Point, I had already joined the local Women in Business Network group. I had met all three gym owners in the local area. 
I had joined the Women's Board Riding Association, the local surfing group. I had joined Nature Coast Marine Group, which was another more of a social slash environmental group. I had joined a local community association. I had met massage practitioners. Um, I had met physiotherapists. I'd sent letters out to 20 local GPs, doctors. I had gone and found my own GP, gone to a couple of them and had appointments and picked one that I liked. I had visited the health food shops. I had found the local wellness clinics and I had scoped out the schools that were in my area. Although I don't have any young kids or anything like that, I still felt it would be relevant to know because a lot of the demographic here were in the age group of having kids. So I went and met all of those people in my first month just to say, hi, I'm new to the area. I'm working in health and wellbeing. I thought I'd come and meet everyone and see who's in town and what you're doing. Just had a nice chat with them. Most of them were really friendly. A couple were surprisingly not, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, I didn't do anything untoward. They just weren't that interested in speaking to me, which is fine. And so once I'd done that networking, I had figured out pretty quickly where my opportunities to meet my tribe would be. Some of those groups were definitely my people and others weren't. And that's okay. I just got really clear on where I might more likely find clients. The next thing I did as part of that was to do a bit of market research with the allied health people that I'd met. So I talked to chiropractors, physios, massage therapists, and I said, what's the biggest challenge that your clients face? What sort of demographic comes to see you? Are they mandated on the healthcare system and not really interested in getting better or are they desperate to get back to work? Are they desperate to fix their problems? What's the challenges you face with them? So I learned a lot about the habits and the beliefs and the behaviours of the people in the local area by talking to those allied health professionals. So point number two here, networking with clubs, is kind of a big point. There's the, the point of meeting all of those people to figure out where your tribe are and there's also the point of doing some market research by having a coffee with the allied health people and figuring out who they are already working with and what's going on with their demographic. So that's my first two of eight tactics that I used and I did a lot of that in the first month. The interviews with the allied health people were probably my second or third month here. The next thing I did was to look for speaking opportunities because speaking in public gets you known quicker. It's easier to develop a profile and become known when you're talking to large groups. So I was able to speak at the local VIEW Club, that's Voice in the Interest and Education of Women, and they sponsor the Smith Family Charity, really great group, and I also spoke at Women in Business. So right away, I was up in front of people talking about what I was doing. And I have to be clear here, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I moved here. I didn't know that I would become a health and wellness coach or that it would take me a couple of steps to get there, but I knew that I needed to become known. So I was up talking about what I was passionate about in those arenas and becoming recognised. As I started to get clearer about what I wanted to do and who I wanted to work with, that was, so that was point number three was speaking at those events and attending regular networking meetings in my local area so that I developed those relationships with people 
and found out where I had common ground with other businesses in the area. So that was point number three. Point number four was that I started to host events. So I held my own workshops. I would go to visit perhaps the local wellbeing clinic to hire their space or a local gym or whatever, and I would have a workshop that I ran or a movie night. So I did those sorts of things to welcome potential clients into my space and to share a thing or two with them about what I'd was doing and I I did a variety of workshops on different topics. Most of them were interactive and involved people doing activities such as cooking classes or EFT or uh, any any of those sorts of things. Um, And that was a really successful thing because it was much more social. So I was interacting with potential clients on more of a social personal level. So that was number four, hosted events. So already you can see from point one, my online research, through to meeting potential business partners, community groups, and potential clients in a social type setting, I'd made a lot of connections in my first three months here. Towards the the second half of my first six months here, I got into other things. One of the first things I did was to start picking out health expos in the area. And it wasn't that I necessarily attended those in my first six months because they were only once or twice a year, but I had some plans around what I would do there. And so in my first year here, I think I attended two health expos. And I had a Tanita scale, a bioimpedance scale, which at the time was virtually unheard of. So I got a bunch of people um, on that scale to measure their body composition and their bone mass and those sorts of things. And I remember one of these health expos I attended, there weren't that many people that came through, maybe 200 people came through that day. And there were probably around 10 tables, different people with different displays. And I was the one that had the line out the door because everybody wanted to find out what was going on in their body on this scale. I had a huge line and all the other stallholders were looking at me thinking, what is it that she's doing over there? (laughs) Why are those people coming? So that was really great intel for me that people just want to know what's going on with them. They want to know about themselves. And I was doing this before I learned about health and wellness coaching, but just to get that sort of engagement with the community and figuring out that they wanted to know more about themselves was a really powerful lesson for me. And I used that same principle in other expos I attended in the future. I had competitions to guess how much sugar was in different foods and that created a talking point for people to come and have a chat around their knowledge around food and what they were eating and all those sorts of things. So health expos in the area were very and have been very successful for me many times over in this area. So that was number five, was attending health expos that were that put on in my local area with my own booth. Wow, we've covered a lot already. You can see how extensively I was networking at that time when I first arrived. Number six was um, I got myself a gig 
as a teacher with a local community college called Adult Education. They do a lot of VET courses, which are vocational education and training, Cert 4s and diplomas and those sorts of things, but they also have community courses that they run. So I went to see Adult Ed and said, hey, I've got some courses that I'd like to run. I'd like to teach people some things. Um, How does that work? And they were really happy to have me sign up to teach short courses on the term and pay me an hourly rate for those. It wasn't a huge hourly rate, but it was definitely better than what I was earning or what I could earn otherwise in the local area if I had a job. And I got to teach and test out lots of different things. So I taught short courses on gluten-free eating and understanding your gut and all sorts of things. I probably did that for two or three years and, and probably twice a year, two terms a year, was to teach classes on various topics that I was interested in. It gave me lots of intel about the local community and the issues that they were facing and it gave me an opportunity to explore who I wanted to work with and my niche. So that was number six, partnering with a community college to deliver some training courses in my area, as in my area of knowledge and interest. Number seven was that I partnered with a wellness clinic, and this was the verge of a tipping point for me. I had some friends that started a wellness clinic, and I asked them about hiring space and setting up an agreement with them. And that meant that I was able to deliver coaching services because I was coaching by then and I was also able to um, deliver workshops and other one-off events there. So that was a really great partnership and that got me known um, in a lot of the more medical setting because the wellness clinic was part, did a lot of work with GPs and specialists. So through working out of that premises by association, I got uh, connected with other allied health people more closely and I also got exposure to a big client base. So that was a very uh, fantastic way to go. And one other thing that I did, and this is beyond my first three to six months in an area, in this new area, was that I did this huge promotional event Um one of our local groups was raising money for a pathway from the local old people's home to the beach. And I thought to myself, wow, this is really important. People need to be able to get from their old people's home to the beach safely. They need a great footpath to walk on or to use their wheelchairs on or whatever. And this is kind of tying in with my beliefs and values around health and fitness. I could really be a part of this. And the thing was that the council would give the community um, a dollar for every dollar they raised toward building the footpath. So it was a an event-by-event basis. They'd raise some money and then a bit more footpath would get built and then they would raise some more money and another bit of footpath would get built and eventually this footpath would reach the beach. And I thought, well, that's not good enough. We need to get way more publicity and traction around this event. And we need to build way more footpath than what we're getting at the moment. So I decided that I would attempt a Guinness World Record for the longest belly dance hip shimmy. Because I was belly dancing as a hobby and teaching locally, so I thought, well, I'm going to do this big promotional event, which was fantastic because the coverage that we got for that event 
got triple the amount of funding compared to normal from like three times as many people or three times as much money was raised at that event and therefore the council matched every dollar so we could build much more footpath at that time. And that was a really fantastic thing. And the publicity for that was all free. We had people in the community who are ex-journalists and um, newspaper photographers who are well-networked and they did a lot of the um, promo and writing for us and they put those articles out there to major cities in in the region so we got a lot of publicity for that event and now people see me and they go oh you're the one that does the Guinness World Record belly dancing thing right so you could pick any sort of event or any sort of record or any sort of thing to become known but for me I did it for this local charity but by coincidence it happens to be that my area is health and well-being. Those values are important to me and anybody wanting to know more about me would quickly find out that, yes, I did a Guinness World Record, but this is what I do for a living. So not intentionally, but as it turned out, it was a fantastic promotion for me and for my business. So those are eight things, eight tactics that I used and that you could use in your first three to six months or beyond, as I did, in your business to become known, starting with online research, networking with clubs, uh, speaking, running hosted events, attending health expos that your local council puts on, signing up to teach at your local community college, partnering with a business to deliver services and doing a big promotional event. So all of those things I used to get known and I did. People recognise me on the street now, many years later. But I have to say something important. It's great to become known. But I only got traction from this when I niched down. And what I mean is this. For the first couple of years I'm, after I moved, I talked about health and wellness. I talked about being a health and wellness coach. I talked about exercise and eating and stress and gluten-free and raw and gut health and bacteria and EFT and mindset work and beliefs and nobody knew what the hell I did. Sorry for swearing but seriously I was all over the place because it was all important to me but it was only when I niched down that I got traction I built a specific program around weight loss and I called it Downsize Me. And when you have a name that is so specific and so clear about what you're doing and when you have a program that has a specific set of three pillars that create a specific result, people know exactly what you do. And I wish I had had that specificity much earlier when I'd arrived here because my all my efforts into becoming known would have been funneled into that one thing and I would have gotten there much quicker and easier. So the next steps were that, that, that one thing I did was to niche down and that's the thing that got me traction. I created this program and I decided to start by running a pilot program, which is like a test environment where the people that you're working with get your program for free or a cheaper rate 
and they know that you're testing it so they're forgiving of any mistakes that you make and they're willing to give feedback and guidance on the way to help you to collaborate with you in building this program so that it's what they want and need and will get value from, not just what you think that they need. And when they get results from that program, they will tell other people about it and that's your marketing taken care of. Through the process, I consulted with a local doctor to talk about what I was doing and what he thought of things. And all of a sudden, I found myself communicating much more clearly about who I helped and how I helped them. People started to know me as the person who did downsize me. The working out of the wellness clinic was fantastic at that time because I was better positioned to be promoted to the right demographic. I incorporated a health clearance as a safety mechanism for my clients and partly for marketing. So every client that did this program needed to get their doctor's permission to do it, to make sure it wasn't going to affect them and that it was safe for them to participate in changing the way they were eating. Doctors started referring people to me and the business built very quickly. You can see all sorts of stories like this, people building their business and building their tribe and and all those sorts of things. But the common factor for any of them is that firstly, you're getting out there and getting known. And the second thing is that you're talking about a strong pain point. So getting out there and getting known allows you to find your tribe, the people who you can best serve who are in your area. Whether that's online or offline, it's the same principle. You've got to get known and build a profile for something. And then you've got to talk about that something over and over again. Your niche, your focus, that's what you become known for. That's what people come to you for. And without that specificity, you risk being vanilla and not standing out. So that's my eight tips and the one thing I did to get traction. Just to recap and summarise the eight things, online research, maybe two or three hours. Networking with local clubs and online, that would be a different version of the same thing. Networking with Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups, perhaps. Next is public speaking. You can do this in in person, in community groups or online as a, as a webinar. Hosted events that I created, small events to get people engaged and to meet my ideal customers doing things that would create social interaction. Number five was attending community bigger health expos and using catchy things to engage people and start conversations. Number six was teaching at the local community college on topics that I decided were going to be useful and beneficial. Number seven, partnering with a business to deliver my services. And number eight, doing a big promotional event that got lots of traction, coverage and a boost to my profile. Remember that the final thing I did to get traction was to niche down. That's got to be the thing that you do. And I highly recommend starting with the niching to make the most of your efforts in promotion. Okay, this is a big episode today. I hope you got clear on all of that and that you can see ways of doing some of these yourself in your area. I'm going to say that if you're new to business, it's going to be a lot easier to do these things in a face-to-face environment in many cases because you build trust faster than 
trying to tackle the online environment if you don't already have a profile. So I'm always an advocate of starting face-to-face. People get to see you and build trust a lot quicker. That's it from me. A lot was covered. If you'd like to know more about what I do or about working with me, you can go to melaniejwhite.com forward slash habitology. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening and bye for now.